Welcome to the show about your kid's secret life, an inside peek at what today's kids are really doing online and with technology. Each week, you'll hear the latest trends and get tips to keep them safe while keeping your sanity. So here are your hosts, cybersecurity experts, best-selling authors, and parents of four teens, Lisa and Chris Good. Hey everyone, welcome to the show that lets you see behind the curtain of what today's kids are doing with technology. I'm Lisa Good. And I'm Chris Good. All right, let's talk about phones. Who doesn't have one of those? So you're ready to give your kid a phone and you've established what the rules are. You've talked about responsible cell phone usage. And hey, you've even drawn up a family cell phone contract. You think, I've got this. I'm a tech savvy parent. Yeah, but tweens and teens can be crafty about getting around those rules. Seriously, think back to when you were a kid. I'm sure you did something to go around a rule you didn't like. Well, your kids aren't any different. Well, except they walk around with an HD video camera in their pocket that connects them to the World Wide Web and lets them talk to anyone they want from anywhere in the world. Okay, yeah, so it's a little bit different. Well, okay, a lot different. So I guess we shouldn't be surprised that many of today's kids turn to burner phones as a workaround to those parental limitations you have. And yes, I said kids and burner phones in the same sentence. Whoa, that sounds like something out of a James Bond or Mission Impossible movie. Just about all the spy movies have them. But TV shows like Breaking Bad and The Wire have really made them popular with teens. Before the social media age, the only people that had these types of phones were shady critters, like the neighborhood drug dealer or someone who was up to no good because there's no record of who purchased the phone and they're easy to dispose of to avoid detection. Well, I can think of a few good reasons to use a burner phone. Like if you're buying or selling something on Craigslist, for instance, having an untraceable phone number offers a degree of safety when you're communicating with strangers. I know, it's still hard though to wrap your head around kids and burner phones. Yep, I know. So what I'd like to do is tell you about Amanda, who's now a sophomore in college, and her family's experience. So Amanda got her first iPhone when she was 13 years old. It wasn't a brand new one. It was her mother's hand-me-down after her mom upgraded. The first thing Amanda did after she got her phone was get an Instagram account and download Snapchat and TikTok. She wanted to be where all her friends were on social media. That set off the first of many arguments with her parents about social media and her phone. To keep from having her parents take away her phone, Amanda would delete the apps before she came home from school and then reinstall them on the bus to school. And she did that every day and for a while at work until her dad busted her when she was sent home sick and he had to go pick her up from school before lunch. Then her parents set up a nightly phone curfew of 9 p.m., and insisted that her phone had to sleep in their room. And Emily, her mom, said, Amanda had a hard enough time getting up, and we knew she needed her sleep. Between AP classes and sports, she was putting in a lot of hours, and we didn't want the phone to become a distraction. Now, Amanda's parents were doing this out of love and concern, but Amanda didn't quite see it that way. Amanda explained... All my friends were just getting online at around 8.30 p.m. after finishing their homework. And most of them didn't have a strict curfew or have to hand their phones over to their parents. I was embarrassed to tell my friends that I had to go to bed early and that my parents kept my phone with them at night. So I'd wait until they went to bed and then I'd sneak into their room and get my phone. 
Now, most nights I'd make it back before they noticed, but then I fell asleep with the phone and they took the phone away for a while and then I'd get it back and the entire process would repeat me taking the phone and then eventually falling asleep and getting caught. And then after like the third time, that was it. Now, the it Amanda refers to is what her dad calls the battle and her mom refers to as three years of hell. Amanda had had enough of her parents taking her phone, and she confided in a friend about the situation. Now, that friend helped her out, and helped her out by giving her one of her parents' old iPhones that the screen had cracked on but still worked, so she could get on the internet anywhere there was Wi-Fi. Amanda no longer needed the phone her parents gave her. Her mother said, All of a sudden, she started giving us her phone at night with no grumbling or complaints. Her dad and I were like, that's weird. But we just chalked it up to her finally giving in to the rules. Now, little did Amanda's parents know that life was about to go from bad to worse. And one night, they saw a light coming from under her door. And when her dad went to check on it, he found her awake and on a phone, one they didn't give her. They took away that phone, and before they knew it, another one would show up. But the battle turned into war when Amanda was 16 and she had a boyfriend. Now, her parents found inappropriate photos of herself and him on her phone. They grounded her and took away her phone and thought that would be the end. But it wasn't. What they didn't know was that the boyfriend was blackmailing Amanda, and taking her phone would send a shockwave through her entire family. She explained, it started with an innocent topless photo and escalated. He said, if you don't send me more, I'll publish them everywhere and we'll see how your family likes that. I couldn't take the embarrassment that my dad would go through. He's on the city council. I thought for sure they would kick him off. I didn't want to ruin my dad, so I kept sending him the pictures he'd request. When they took my phone, I didn't know what to do. It was a Friday And I knew I wouldn't see anyone again until Monday. And I knew when he didn't hear from me that he would post all those photos. So I took a bunch of pain pills my mom had left from a recent surgery, wrote a suicide note, and laid down in bed to die. Now, fortunately for Amanda, her 13-year-old brother wanted her to play a game. And he barged into her room when she didn't answer his knocks. He found her note and ran to get his parents. Amanda was rushed to the hospital and she survived. The boyfriend was arrested and expelled from school, but not before he shared some of her photos on Instagram. Amanda says, I've gone through counseling and I'm much better than I was, but I still feel awful knowing that people have those pictures of me. I know some of them do and there's nothing I can do about it. I hope that when I graduate college that those pictures don't show up and ruin my chances at a good job. I wish I would have just listened to my parents and stuck with their rules about the phone. I tell all my little cousins and my friends, younger brothers and sisters to stay off the phone. Don't get wrapped up in social media or send inappropriate photos. And if your parents take your phone, don't get another one from a friend. It's not worth it. I want them to learn from my mistake. I'm sure glad that Amanda survived and is using what happened to her to talk with younger kids. I'm just sorry it had to happen to her in the first place. Her family is fortunate, though. Some kids don't survive. You know, most parents don't realize how easy it is for kids to get these phones. There's always a friend at school who can give an old phone after someone in their family upgrades. 
They don't need it for the phone service. They just need it for the internet. And everywhere you go today, there's free Wi-Fi. Starbucks, the mall, most restaurants, just about every place around town. And then there's that free Xfinity hotspot Wi-Fi. Not to mention that at almost every high school across the country, there's some kid who sells burner phones from their locker. Kids are also able to just walk into Target, Walmart, just about any store, as well as online, and buy a burner phone. They can get a prepaid or a pay-by-the-month cell phone. You know, smartphones are, for today's kids, what the landline was for most of us. It's the source of all social connection. And it's not uncommon for me to hear when I'm talking to parents about smartphones, well, my 10-year-old has to have one, otherwise, how will they communicate with their friends? Or, if my 9-year-old doesn't have a phone, they'll have no friends, because that's the only way all the kids talk today, via text message. But the problem with the smartphone is that it's not just a phone. See, the loss of a phone and the fear of missing out can cause kids today to resort to desperate measures to restore that connection. Now, I'd also like to mention that teens don't only use burner phones when their regular phones are taken away. They sometimes get them to create and post on social media profiles their parents won't let them have or they don't know about. They'll still use their official phone. They just use their burner phone for social media, party information, talking to friends you don't like, dating relationships, and sometimes pictures. Really? Yep. Now, some kids have the social media accounts that you allow them to have. You know, the ones you're monitoring or you're on their friends list. But then they also have their real social media accounts, the ones that all their friends know about. These are the places where they post their real life, their struggles, their frustrations, all the school drama. Kids even have a term for some of these accounts. So take Instagram. Their second account is called the Finsta or fake Instagram account, even though to them it's their real account. So what can you do? Well, here are five things to get you started. Number one, know what your kids are doing online. Some parents don't like the idea of checking up or spying on their children. You know, I can't tell you how many times I've heard, you know, kids should have privacy. But if you've given them a smartphone or a phone that can access the internet, then you have a responsibility to know what your children are doing online, just like you make sure you know what they're up to in the real world. And if you've taken their phone away, the first clue that they're using a burner phone is when they stop asking for their official phone back. Number two, watch their online behavior. You can get a feel for your kids' online phone habits by checking your wireless carrier's app, which will show you the data usage, or their own phone's screen time tally. That will give you more specifics about what apps they're using. Now, if you notice a significant decrease in phone or social media use, it could be a clue that your kid has turned to a second phone. Um, number three is monitor your home network. Make sure you're using a good router that has parental control options. If you really want to be safe, use a commercial grade router that can block apps, websites, and dark web browsing, as well as monitor device activity, and even alert you if unknown devices are accessing your Wi-Fi. Number four, have the tech talk. Now, this ain't a one-and-done conversation, folks. If you have kids today and you've given them technology, you should be having ongoing conversations about how to use that technology safely. And number five, establish rules and follow them. Your kids should know what the rules are regarding the technology you allow them to use and the consequences for breaking those rules. 
You know, most kids thrive when there's boundaries and rules, you know, even though they won't admit it. But the key is to enforce the rules consistently. If you let them break the rules and get away with it because you just don't feel like dealing with it that day, then they know they can sometimes break the rules and get away with it. And breaking the rules with technology can impact a kid for life and can possibly end their life or a friend's. It's not something you want to let slide. And look, not every kid is out there using burner phones, but there are a lot that do. And the worst thing you can do as a parent when it comes to technology today is to have NMK syndrome. What's that? Well, I call it not my kid. It's when a parent thinks, I've raised my kid better. They would never do that. My kid's smarter than that. You should never underestimate the pull and power that peer pressure and technology can have on a kid, any kid, including yours. Now, I wish I could say, do this one thing or that one thing and everything will be just fine. But it really takes a combination of things to successfully navigate today's digital world with kids and have them come out unscathed. And that's monitoring, teaching them the ups and downs of technology, and being actively engaged as a parent. Well, stay tuned for our next topic. Wouldn't it be great to stay up to date without being overwhelmed? It's possible and easy. Just sign up for our free cyber alert emails. We take the guesswork out of knowing what's going on with kids and technology. We provide the essentials that parents, grandparents, and adults working with children should know in today's digital world. Just visit yourkidssecretlife.com forward slash radio and sign up today. Hey everyone, welcome to the show that lets you see behind the curtain of what today's kids are doing with technology. I'm Lisa Good. And I'm Chris Good. It's getting warmer. Hey, those daffodils are starting to come up. That can only mean one thing. Spring is in the air. And spring break is just around the corner. Ah, teens and college kids on spring break. A time to let loose, party, drink, break the law, experiment with drugs and sex. What else are they going to do when their parents aren't around? You know, spring break is actually Florida's fault. What? What do you mean? Well, the concept of spring break started in 1938 with a swim training event in Fort Lauderdale, Florida, and it just kept growing every year. Then in 1960, students started coming to the town in large numbers, and local businesses took advantage of this by offering specials such as all-you-can-drink beer for $1.50. And eventually, the town gained the nickname Fort Liquordale and became the primary destination for students interested in partying during spring break for years to come. Every year, the crowds got bigger and more difficult to control. By 1985, more than 370,000 students were traveling to Fort Lauderdale to enjoy their spring break. Even MTV was there every year sponsoring large potties and broadcasting live. Then, 2,500 students were arrested for rowdy behavior, and the events surrounding spring break were finally shut down by the local officials. Drinking on the beaches was prohibited, and students were informed they were no longer welcome to the city. But that didn't end the spring break fever. Several new locations popped up. The three most common spring break destinations today are Panama City, Florida, South Padre Island, Texas, and Cancun, Mexico. Now, Panama City hosts more than 400,000 students each year, Although, in 2015, they passed a March booze ban where you can't have any alcohol on the beach in the month of March. So, if your kids are going there, at least you know they're not drinking on the beach or in the ocean. 
while South Padre Island has around 200,000 student visitors and Cancun about 150,000. In Texas and Florida alone, students on spring break spend about $1 billion, giving a big boost to local economies. And the average spring breaker spends around $1,100 in one week. Whoa. So parents, now you know if your older teens or college kids ask for money in the spring, that's probably where it's going. Alrighty, with that stuck in mind, there's no doubt some of you are biting your nails as exaggerated Hollywood movie scenes come to mind. Or maybe you remember a few wild and crazy spring breaks that you had. Or you remember seeing those YouTube videos of out-of-control teens partying up on the beaches. But is that what's really happening? Well, the experts say that most kids aren't behaving that way. Unless they already engage in that type of behavior at home or at college. Now, there's a large group of teens and college freshmen that this year will mark their first spring break experience. Many of them may get caught up in trying something new or going along with their friends or fraternity while being unaware of what their limits are, especially if they haven't indulged in alcohol before. Which means it's still a good idea for you to talk to your older teens and first-year college kids and then prepare them for those risky situations. Even if you trust your kids, there are still circumstances that can come up where they have very little or no control. And when you add technology to the mix, well, let's just say things can get out of hand and turn from good to bad to a disaster in short order. And we aren't talking about texting or Snapchatting while driving, even though those are dangerous, especially during spring break. 14 of the popular spring break counties say their weekly death toll associated with car crashes during spring break is on average 9.1% higher than the other weeks of the year. And in case you think they're all because of drinking, which was honestly my first assumption, they're actually split almost 50-50. So what kind of technology are we talking about? Well, we're talking about dating or meetup apps. Kids today call it hooking up. When you get together with someone for the sole intention of partying and, well, I'm just going to say it, a one-night stand. Now, I'm not saying that every single college kid is hooking up or having one-night stands, but most of them want to go out and have a good time. And sometimes when you add alcohol and possibly drugs to the mix, things can just happen. So here's what a first-time college freshman said she was looking forward to about spring break. She said, I just want to go relax in the sun and maybe hang with some good-looking guys for a few days before I come back and it's back to it in finals. Now, before you say, yeah, my kids aren't using dating apps, 91% of college students say they're using dating apps, with 84% of them on Tinder. And that's just one app. There's also Frenzy, Hinge, Coffee Meets Bagel, and the list goes on and on and on. And in case you think because you have high school age kids, you're safe, guess again. They now have an app they can use. It's called the Hoop app. It's where Tinder for teens meets Snapchat. Now, you may not have heard of hoop, like a basketball hoop, but there's a good chance your kids have. With over 3 million downloads, the free app hit number two on the App Store in February. So you may want to ask your kids if they've heard of this app or if any of their friends have the app. And if you don't monitor what your kids download, now would probably be a good time to grab their phone and see if they have it on there. So this app is rated 12 plus in the Apple App Store, 
and T for teen in the Google Play Store. The general idea behind Hoop is it allows kids as young as 12 to connect with total strangers. Now, adults can use the app, but according to Hoop, users over 18 won't be shown kids' profiles and vice versa. But users can easily edit their age at any time. Hoop doesn't prevent them from changing their age, and they have no age verification system. So technically, anyone can connect with strangers of all ages. So here's how it works. Your kids swipe through profiles, which include the person's age, gender, and photos, and then they can pick who they want to start a conversation with. Once they've picked someone they want to talk to, they tap on a button to request that person's Snapchat handle, and the conversation starts right there in Snapchat. Yep, disappearing photos and messages? What could go wrong there? You know, Snapchat and TikTok are hard enough for kids to put down due to their endless scrolls of content. But what's interesting with Hoop is that it's actually designed itself to encourage daily use. Your kids have to log in daily and actively participate on the platform to continue chatting with people. What? What do you mean daily? Yeah, yeah, daily. So like on Tinder, kids can swipe right up to 100 times each day. On Hoop, kids are required to use in-app diamonds to request chats, and they're only allowed to send 10 chat requests before needing to obtain more diamonds. Diamonds? What are diamonds? Do they have to buy them? No, they don't buy them. Diamonds are essentially points. They're credits that kids get for doing things. So kids earn points for logging in every day, sharing their Snapchat name, getting their friends on Snapchat to join Hoop, and taking surveys. And you can't connect with people and learn their Snapchat username without paying with points or diamonds. So for kids, Hoop is creating FOMO, which is fear of missing out, or triggers an addictive behavior to to keep logging in and doing the in-app activities so they can earn more points. In the gaming world, this type of system is known as pay to play, which doesn't always mean with actual money especially when it comes to apps geared towards kids. It's more about making them feel invested in the platform and creating that subtle addiction where it makes it hard for them to disconnect. See, they'll start feeling like they're losing out on some part of their social lives if they don't log in every day or if they delete the app. Well, here's some good news. Really? Great! Hoop doesn't allow users to sort who they see by location. At least not yet. Now, some people include that information in their bios, but at this time, not having an official location feature reduces the risk that a stranger can find out where they are. Oh, okay. Well, I guess that's good news. But here's some bad news, too. Yeah, well, that figures. Hoop did a proximity filter to let people match with other users near them, but they turned it off. However, they've said they plan to reintroduce it. They just haven't given a rollout date yet. There are also big red flags about data privacy due to the fact that kids are encouraged to complete corporate surveys in order to earn more diamonds or points. Now, these companies can use your kids' responses to show them targeted ads, but who knows where else that data is going? 
And I just want to make sure we've covered that the Hoop app itself is directly tied into Snapchat. You have to log into Hoop with a valid Snapchat account. So if your kids don't have Snapchat, they won't be able to use the Hoop app, at least for now. And while the Hoop app is built on the Snapchat platform, it's actually not owned by Snapchat. And another issue I'd like to mention is just like the kids who use Snapchat see inappropriate content all the time, Hoop users are also seeing explicit content. I've seen a large number of girls using this app to sell explicit pictures, and many of these girls are under the age of 18. Besides the everyday danger and explicit content, the danger during spring break is connecting with someone on Hoop, chatting on Snapchat, and then meeting up in person. Your kids have no way of knowing who they're really meeting. Is the person they've been chatting out with really 17 like they said? Or is it some 30-year-old? Ooh. And this goes for your college-age kids as well. Although, as we said earlier, the majority of college-age kids are using Tinder and some of the other dating apps. And while it's the same premise, you swipe or scroll through looking for people that you like and match with, Spring Break sees a rollout of a particular feature on Tinder that you may want to talk about with your kids, if for no other reason than their safety. So last year, Tinder launched this new feature designed just for its college-age Tinder users. They're called Tinder U users, and the feature is called Spring Break Mode. The dating app company said it was time that they started to fully embrace its status as the preferred hookup app of choice for the younger generation. Now, the new feature allows students to swipe through potential matches before heading out to their spring break destination. Here's how it works. During the month of March, Spring Break Mode is live and offers 20 popular destinations, including Cabo, Las Vegas, Miami, Panama City, Destin Beach, New Orleans, South Padre Island, San Diego, and many others. To opt in, all your kids need to do is look for the Spring Break card while swiping. When they see it, they can select their Spring Break destination to see who else is going. This destination will then be shown to potential matches through a badge on their profiles. So Tinder says it cuts down the length of time it takes Tinder U users to meet their hookups, many of which take place at bars and clubs. Spring break mode lets your kids scope out their matches before that, making their party experience less stressful since they'll already have some guaranteed hookups arranged. Now, this option gives your kids plenty of time to weed out the frogs from the prince or prince charmings and prepare to meet their match in paradise or a dark, crowded bar in Florida. It can also be a recipe of meeting up with people who aren't who they say they are, date rape, kidnapping, and sex trafficking. I know that to most of us older people, this all sounds crazy, but it's second nature for our kids. And pretending like your kids aren't going to be involved in this behavior or sheltering them is not the answer. You know, the best thing you can do is sit down with them and have open conversations about these things and these apps. Spring break is a great opportunity to teach your kids to be vigilant as well as how to handle themselves in certain situations and being smart about their choices. It's preparing them to be independent while letting them make mistakes and have fun. They just have to know that while they get to make their own choices, they don't get to choose the consequences. So have a great week. And remember, you can do this. 
Thanks for listening to Your Kid's Secret Life with Lisa and Chris Good. To submit your questions, sign up for our free cyber alert emails, or for information on today's show, please go to yourkidssecretlife.com forward slash radio. You can also connect with us on Facebook at Your Kid's Secret Life.